We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Stephen. I am your host, as always. Joining me today are Alex and Tyler. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, you don't get to see Tyler's name, uh, which is uh, Raiders Raider Cody's undie pick. Uh, Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. I just am very happy knowing that Raider Cody can never say that Chargers fans don't exist because we definitely have proof that he tried to slide in the DMs of a Chargers fan. <laughs> multiple Chargers fans I would imagine you know when there's one there's many um you know and uh <laughs> Tyler is officially blocked by Raider Cody as is Alex Alex how you doing man Steven we need you to complete the trifecta you got to tweet some <laughs> stuff at Raider Cody so all three of us can get blocked <laughs> uh if you are uh unaware of what's going on uh just uh DM me or something else even but um here today to talk about the upcoming <clears throat> Uh, Chargers and Broncos rematch, um, you know, as is the norm lately. Unfortunately, we have to talk about who is on the COVID list and who is not. Um, the Chargers did activate Michael Davis, Mike Williams, and Emma Kate Egbule today. Um, yesterday, they activated Joey Bosa and some others. So I think there are nine players left on the COVID list as of now, uh, at least according to you know, our calculations and, you know, Jeff Miller tweeted the same thing. So uh, players currently on the COVID list still are Chris Harris, Nasir Adderley, Alohi Gilman, Andrew Brown, who uh, is a practice squad player, Matt Overton. Uh, the Chargers did sign a long snapper um, to kind of fill in for that in case they need to. Uh, Dustin Hopkins, Trey Pipkins, Kenneth Murray, and Storm Norton. So, um, I you know, the Chargers do have a chance to – get most of these players back according to Brandon Staley, including both of the offensive tackles, which would be uh, rather interesting if the Chargers head into this matchup without offensive, ta- without uh, any offensive tackles besides Rashawn Slater. So uh, Alex, what kind of uh, stands out to you as the NFL is altering protocols, allowing more players to come back and, and, you know, of course who on the Chargers uh, on the COVID this kind of stands out to you. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, how the NFL changed protocols mattered a lot because we were talking about Mike Williams missing two games. Um, if yeah. the previous 10-day protocol was in, we were talking about some other players missing games. Uh, in that case, I believe Chris Harris also. So, I mean, the fact that they did lift the 10-day protocol and now that most of those guys can't come back is a huge feather in the Chargers' cap. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely has, uh, I think, people more optimistic going into the game compared to, you know, what it would have been without Mike Williams, without Chris Harris, um, and without all those guys. So um, definitely a step in the right direction. I'll, like you said, I'll be curious to see what they do without, if they don't have Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins, but I assume both will be back. Um, and, you know, you'll get the normal starting five on the line, or at least what the normal starting five has been. Um, yeah, but the Broncos, I know, added a couple today. They added uh, Bryce Callahan, uh, yeah. who's always sort of been a pretty good defender against the Chargers, had the, you know, Randy Moss interception uh, against Mike Williams last year, uh, which was not fun. Uh, so he's always been a pretty good defender, so that's a loss for them, and they're already down in the secondary with guys that are injured. Um, so that's something to, you know, keep mind of, as the Chargers should get all of their wide receivers back. Uh, this game so that's going to be something to watch for Justin Herbert um, but overall it's good news on the COVID front um, and yeah hopefully in the next 48 to 72 hours we don't get more positive tests because if we do then those guys are most likely out yeah after the Houston Texans loss we were sitting here going I don't know how the heck we pick the Chargers to win a after that loss and b with all the plays that they're missing yet you know thankfully they've been you know, having players come off that list ever since they at the CDC came in, came into the clutch for the Chargers. I mean, the season was basically going to end after that Texans game, after that loss, because there was no way they were going to beat the Broncos or really even the Raiders if 20 something players were missing. Now we're right. down to nine or whatever it is. And that's a huge deal. So the season is saved. Whether you agree or disagree with the decision by the NFL is a whole different thing. You can't, you have to admit though, it saved the Chargers season and probably saved some other teams as well. So, um, with players coming off, I feel a lot more confident about this game, particularly at home. The one I'm most interested in is Dustin Hopkins right now. Yeah. I know they have Justin Vizcaino off the COVID list, but we've seen that not play out so well. And Hopkins has been nothing but, I mean, magic for them, honestly, since they joined the team in week eight. Yeah. You know, he's he's tied for Justin Tucker in field goal percentage. Raise your hand if you thought any Chargers kicker would ever do that <laughs> since joining the team. You know, returners are only averaging 15 yards per return since week eight, which is amazing. He's got 38 touchbacks, which was supposed to be Tristan Vizcaino's thing. But here we are at Hopkins, the cast-off kicker, who's second in the NFL since joining the Chargers in touchbacks. So he's doing pretty well for them. And if they don't have him and they are struggling you know, to stop anyone on defense and they probably will struggle on offense, and it comes down to a kick, it's Tristan Vizcaino and a new long snapper. So it's going to be a little bit worrisome heading into this game against the Broncos for sure. Yeah, you know, the Chargers are, of course, they've, they've moved up the special teams rankings. Uh, you know, according to Football Outsiders, they're now 30th. They're not 32nd, which they were for a long time, and then 31st for a couple of times. But the Broncos are 29th. So, you know, it, it's not like the Broncos are are that good at special teams either, at least according to the DVOA rankings. So, um, you know, this might – this is – I expect it to be a uh, close contested matchup, and it might come down to whose special teams can can make a play – or uh, does not make a play. So um, special teams is going to make a, an impact in this one. Uh, Alex mentioned Bryce Callahan. Um, you know, the Broncos also placed uh, Mike Ford, Bobby Massey, and Stephen Weatherly um, on the COVID list today. 
Um, one of the other Broncos reporters said that Callahan, Massey, and Weatherly will all be out on Sunday. So that means that they are unvaccinated players. Um, Bobby Massey did not play in the first matchup a couple weeks ago. Um, but you know, he, uh, has hardly been that great. So, you know, that could be a, a feather in the charters cap, uh, heading into this one. So, um, again, I, I think the most important thing from today is that the chargers didn't place any new players on the list. Um, if that can continue, then, you know, you get some of these players back, you know, I am curious to know who kind of is dealing with symptoms or not, you know, because you have Nasir Adderley and Chris Harris who are two starting players in the secondary, which uh, is a group that has been, you know, much maligned and rightfully so over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Daniel Popper pointed out that they've had 60 some odd <laughs> combinations back there. So not having Chris Harris and Nasir Adderley and potentially Alohi Gilman in this one is, is huge along with all the other things that you guys mentioned too. Yeah, because we watched the Chargers get actually torched with whoever they were playing at corner last week. It was kind of a bloodbath. I forget what it was historically, but you know the, the Chargers, as Arjun pointed out in his analytics video, their success rate on offense was the highest since of any game since 2018. The offense was moving pretty well, except for the turnovers, obviously. But the defense was absolutely garbage because those corners just could not keep up. So having someone like Davis, who really is their plus athlete and you know also a good corner, whereas Campbell's kind of just a good athlete and no longer really a good corner. It's huge for the team because, well, I'm not as scared of Drew Locke, let's just say that, but you know, <laughs> it's still great to have Michael Davis back. Yeah, I, I think we've talked about this Chargers defense as a group that's a little bit top-heavy. Like, it is, okay, well, you know, you have Joey Bosa and Derwin James and Michael Davis, and when you didn't have those three players last week, we saw what happened. Um, so I, I also think it is a product of the secondary and the guys that they brought in on, like, short notice just not being that good um you know i mean right. saint bassey obviously is coming off of the acl injury Devonte harris is uh Devontae harris based off his play <laughs> last week uh so to me those guys just looked a little bit slow instinctually yeah. and they're also not adjusted to the system after being in it for such a short period of time so just getting guys that are a better athletically but b know the system i think is such a huge part if they do get chris harris back uh Tavon Campbell uh, obviously coming back as well I think is just such an important thing from athleticism even though he's had a really up and down year um in terms of coverage like just getting him on one of those Broncos receivers and yeah. you know being sure that he's not going to get beat down the field he might get beat on a move um I think that that is definitely important from an athleticism standpoint in the secondary so uh yeah no we'll see we'll see what happens and which guys are able to come back but i think if they get chris harris and see Adderley back that is definitely favorable for them uh assuming they also get someone who's on the injury report uh with the hamstring and derwin james if they get him back as well i, I think that they're in good position to handle drew lock in that uh, offense yeah absolutely i think that's a good point too right because you know against the texans of course you don't have brandon cooks on that team but you know, no Michael Davis, no Tavon Campbell. Devonta Harris gets benched in the second half. So really you have Asante Samuel Jr. and, you know, Chris Harris. And that's pretty much that was pretty much it on uh, Sunday against the Texans. So um, at least getting some reinforcements at corner and hopefully uh, some of these guys can come back uh, on the safety uh, from the safety list. Of course, you know, you have uh, Trey Marshall was activated, uh, I think, on Monday. Um, so if you can't get a Adderley and a Lohi going back, then you're probably looking at, uh, Trey Marshall and, uh, Ben DeLuca 
and Derwin James potentially as uh, the starting safety. So um, we'll talk about Derwin in a second, but um, obviously notable. Just really quickly for the offensive line, because I know a lot of people were asking me like, oh, like what, what's the solution if the two tackles are missing or if one is missing? Obviously, if one is missing, then you're fine. If both Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton are unable to play in this one, um, you know, I think my preference would be kick Michael Schofield to right tackle and ideally bring in Brendan Hymas uh, off the bench. I think we've all seen enough from uh, Senor Clemente, but um, I, I'm not. I'm a more worried about the interior pass rush from the Broncos than I am the edge rushers. And so, I understand a lot of people would want uh, Matt Filer to kick out, but I think you know keeping that uh, left side intact, intact. Excuse me. Uh, would kind of supersede that thing, that, you know, shuffling of things. So I, I think if the two tackles are out, I think the best solution is probably kick Michael Schofield to right tackle and bring in Brendan Hymas or Scott Cressenberry or <laughs> ideally not Senor Calamente, but, you know, I'll have to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, I think the guy we also have to mention from uh, coming back from the COVID list is Justin Jones. Uh, I mean, they had trouble. Uh, yeah. That's putting it lightly, stopping the run last week. Uh, I think Daniel Popper put out a stat that when Justin Jones has been on the field, it's been 3.6 yards per carry. When he hasn't been, it's been 5.3 uh, in recent weeks. So that's definitely a problem. Uh, I, I think that you get him back, obviously you get Joey Bosa back on that line too. And they're going to need to stop the run in this game. Like the, Denver's not going to make any bones about what they're going to do. They're not going to sling the ball downfield with Drew Locke. I mean, maybe they'll have a couple design plays for him, but it's going to be Javante Williams that you have to stop if you want to win this game. Uh, and control the clock and get the defense off the field, which they were unable to do against Rex Burkhead. Uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll let that be what it is. Uh, so, yeah, no, I think getting Justin Jones back for this game is also huge given their struggles in the run game. Yeah, Stephen, what was Javante Williams' missed tackle uh, number this season? Yeah, so he leads the league with 62 missed tackles force. Uh, he's fourth in the league in yards per contact uh, per attempt trailing only Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, and Elijah Mitchell. So Javante is an extremely talented running back, uh, as is Melvin Gordon, who we've seen have some big games this year. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about stopping the run in a second. But uh, to that point, you know, against Houston, I I wanted to bring up Austin Eckler's quote from uh, Wednesday. Because I took issue with that. And Austin (laughs) Eckler is, you know, I, I think he's one of the better players uh, at least on the Chargers, perhaps in the league, and mm-hmm. his press conferences. He's so forthcoming. He's mm-hmm. so knowledgeable. He is so personable. But when he said that, like, oh, he was asked about Houston, the Houston game. Of course, he wasn't able to play in that game because of COVID. And basically what he said is that he felt like, you know, they didn't have all their leaders there. They couldn't, you know, get up for the game, maybe lacking motivation. Um, I don't remember the exact quote, but just kind of paraphrasing there. And really, like, you know, Brandon Staley did say that same thing, essentially, too, where he said that they lack the energy, the intensity that you need on a weekly basis, and especially against a team uh, who's going to run the ball at you. So I took issue with that. I know it's the Texans. I know it was after Christmas. But if you can't get up for a potential, like, this is essentially, you know, Keenan Allen said today, like, the playoffs start now. The playoffs started last week for this team. Like, they had the playoffs in their own destiny. They had it in their own grass. And if you can't get up for any game in the NFL, let alone a game in which you can control your own playoff destiny, then what are you doing out here? And so mm-hmm. it, it definitely showed, right? Like the lack of intensity was very noticeable from everybody not named Braden Fajoko. 
But I just, yep. I, I don't under, I am not with Austin Eckler. We're saying like, oh, we didn't have most of our leaders. Like Derwin was there. I understand he's not playing, but Keenan was hmm. there. Justin Herbert was there. You know, Matt Filer's there. Rashad Slater, like Kaiser White, Nasir Adderley. So you have all these players who are presumably leaders on this team. Chris Harris, of course. And it, I just took issue with that, man. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are there, but uh, I did not appreciate Austin Eckler's quote about that uh, particular game. Yeah, it's incredible that they had a problem or a, a difficulty getting up. I mean, even Raider Cody's been trying to get up. Okay, that was my joke. Um, you know, for Eckler to come out and say that and, and that it felt dead and players had a hard time stepping up as leaders, you know, being a bad team is one thing. Ask the Lions, but they don't quit. And they just beat the Cardinals. I mean, the Texans, they're terrible. They've been missing more players. I dare anyone to name, you know, five players on their front seven or offensive line, but they won. So the Chargers not showing up emotionally because it was too hard to step up. It's one of the most damning things I've heard about this team or seen from this team since like McCoy needing to be comforted on the sideline by Antonio Gates. I mean, even the Broncos who were missing tons of <laughs> offensive linemen last time. They showed up when they were missing players. You know, can the Chargers do that this week? I can't believe in a basically win and not really, but win and they would be in the playoff scenario. Nobody showed up like or or at least emotionally and also physically on defense. You know, I can't help but notice that, you know, yeah, James was on the sideline, but they had no defensive captains on the field. And perhaps Eckler was more referencing like the defense, but it was a surprise year from Eckler. I took issue with that as well. I'm surprised that he said it. We all saw it. Like, we all noticed it on the field. For him to come out and say that as well, hopefully that's, you know, just a, a one-week sort of thing and not a, a real culture issue because it's not what I expected from this team. I thought a team – we said I thought this team was was past a loss like this and wouldn't have a kind of loss or a drop loss to the Texans like this. But to also hear that they emotionally and their their hearts aren't in it Outside of Braden Fajoko, maybe Justin Jackson, Justin Herbert. That's rough to hear. And that's not a postseason mentality. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're not going to get up for the Texans, then uh, I mean, why should we? Which is why me and Tyler drank on the postgame show. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I it's struggling. It's, it's, it's tough to hear that, too, because it's not just like, oh, well, you know, we'll just take this Texans game off and then we'll get back next week. Like the important part of the Texans game is it gives you margin for error, right? Like if you get that win last week, you're nine and six, of course you control your own destiny and don't need the wins for uh, losses from the Ravens and the dolphins that you do now. Um, but also like it prevents, you know, bad things from happening, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to try to speak this into existence, but hypothetically last week of the season, Justin Herbert test positive for COVID before the Raiders game. Right. Are we, are we all going to sit here and go, Oh, well, wish they would have had that Texans game because now they're in this position where they're going to be starting Chase Daniel, right? Like just hypothetical scenarios like that or injuries that could happen this week, injuries that could happen against the Raiders. Um, So you can kind of create those scenarios in your head. And it's just like why every game is important on the schedule, regardless of who the um, opponent is. And we said it on the live show, you have 20 players on the Texans are out and, you know, about the same number on the Chargers. So like the whole excuse that those guys weren't there uh, just doesn't hold water for me. Even if you want to say that the Chargers were missing better players than the Texans were missing, obviously Texans have a bunch of dudes that are on one-year contracts that are trying to like <laughs> ball out, and it showed. Like Desmond King played harder than anyone on the Chargers' defense did. 
you know like that's the reality uh yeah. as much as we burnt him and tried to say oh well keenan allen and mike williams are gonna have a field day or not mike williams uh but keenan allen and josh palmer and all those dudes are gonna have a field day and they didn't because desmond king played well and played harder than anyone on the chargers defense unfortunately uh so it is what it is uh that game's in the past now but yeah that excuse that they didn't get up doesn't hold water for me uh i don't care about covid uh for very obvious reasons i don't care that it was like christmas or anything uh, uh but <laughs> you know so uh yeah I, I just i just don't buy the whole uh we didn't get up for that game thing because if, if you didn't then don't bother going to the playoffs yeah absolutely and just uh so uh, the the full quote austin said quote i talked to a couple guys and they said it just felt like dead almost and rightfully so we lost a lot of our leaders a lot of people that bring a lot of energy. It's really hard to step up as far as being an actual leader in one week. So that was the whole quote from Austin Eckler. Again, that feels kind of damning to me. Like, you know, we, the three of us were talking and like, if that, if the offensive line had played poorly without Corey Lindsley, I would have understood that. Like, you know, Corey Lindsley is the emotional leader. He is the, you know, the guy who sets all the protection, but the offensive line was dominant. You know, they played an awesome game against this Texans team. And again, not super talented, but still the offensive line handled their business. And so uh, one side of the ball struggled to get up and struggled to be motivated. The other one did not. Um, and that's kind of just how it is. But um, talked a little bit longer about COVID and things like that than uh, we had planned. So we'll uh, dive right into this upcoming matchup before we do. I uh, want to give a shout out to our uh, sponsor TickPick, who is the official ticketing partner of the Guilty is Charged podcast. Uh, there's only two games left in the regular season, and then of course there are playoff games. Uh, so if you haven't been to a game yet, or if you need some uh, extra help, you know, use TickPick to uh, purchase tickets to your next game. There's no ticket fees, and of course, if you use our link, TickPick.com/charged, you get a ten dollar discount. So. Uh, please go use uh, and support TickPick. That is the best uh, way to get tickets, in my opinion. So that being said, let's dive into this uh, upcoming matchup with the Chargers and the Denver Broncos, of course, at home. Oops. There we go. Live TV. Um, all right. So, Tyler, what's uh, your uh, big picture uh, biggest storyline that you're paying attention to this week as the Chargers prepare to host the Denver Broncos. Yeah, so last time they played Denver, it was kind of the turning point of the it's all Lombardi, it can't possibly be Herbert, you know, be Herbert crowd. And it wasn't really during the game or after the game when that passing chart went up. It's right around when Nate Tice said, oops, you know, I watched the film. I actually think it was a pretty solid game from him. I got to back off my criticism. And I think at that point, people started to realize that Herbert is struggling versus two safety looks. And, you know, it's not because guys aren't open or because the plays aren't there, although that is, you know, something that does factor in, uh, you know, he's just either making the wrong read or the wrong decision or, or locking on to one player, you know, Steven and I, we, we've been charting players or in various stats of those players all year long. Um, but we've also had Jason, you know, who broke down that game versus Denver on our channel. He's been charting how Herbert has done versus each coverage and 11, of his 14 interceptions this year have come against two safety looks. Now, I know that's not all on him, you know, a ball bouncing off Eckler's hands, Cook's hands, someone running the wrong route, whatever. That's a whole different story. But still, that's just, that's that's how it's shaken out. And after really cutting it loose versus, you know, the past three weeks, particularly that bomb to Jalen Guyton against Cincinnati or the, the amazing throw, throw of the year 
uh, against the New York Giants, that hesitation really kind of reared its ugly head against the Texans. And, you know, one other thing that we've noticed and we've talked about on the side is that Herbert has chosen to scramble more since that Minnesota game where he struggled to read coverages. And, you know, from that Pittsburgh game on, he's more than doubled his number of scrambles per game since then. And, you know, there are three potential reasons for it. and, and, And I think two are bad. You know, one reason is, you know, a good reason. He's being smart. There's one less defender in the box. So take advantage of that. Use your legs. He's an athletic guy. So that's good. But the two bad reasons, and it could be this, it's not good. He's either being coached to take off more because he can't read cover two, or he just can't read cover two, or at least any kind of two safety look, and he's taking off because it's currently a problem. It's not like just the Pittsburgh game where, you know, he's, he's taking advantage of a lighter box and he's getting 90 yards. It's not really like that anymore. That's the outlier, not the norm right now. It's a problem. And he's taken a higher rate of self sacks and self pressures per game than he was before. And, and, you know, the scrambling itself has just been a little off too. You know, sometimes he'll spin out of the pocket. Um, Sometimes he'll slip. I don't know why his footing has been weird. I think three times he's tried to escape and he slipped. I don't know how often that happens with mobile quarterbacks. We're not used to seeing one. So I don't know what that looks like. You know, and sometimes he has awful vision and he runs into his own guy right into a block defensive lineman and sometimes he just gets bailed out by a defensive penalty so it doesn't go against him but there's been multiple times this season he just like i don't know where he's going he kind of panics and runs into a defender and you know part of that's him not being used to this he's not super comfortable with that's fine but you know so my basically my main storyline is against what should be the defense of his nightmares in this fangio defense in terms of (laughs) personnel and scheme can justin herbert show growth and carry this team to a win and push towards the postseason. Yeah, um, to talk about something, I mean, slightly different is, you know, we don't know what version of it we're going to get. The run defense has just been really up and down this year. Uh, I mean, well, mostly down, uh, to be honest, we're talking (laughs) about the first half of the season. But there's been some kind of peaks and valleys, I think, in the second half. You had a pretty good game against the Patriots. Um, then a bad game against the Eagles where they gave up four and a half yards per carry, but uh, got the win, an okay game versus Dalvin Cook. Uh, and then you sort of, I think that's when the Chargers sort of started to turn the corner and was like, oh, are they like a league average run defense now? And then they get into this confusing stretch where if you look at their last five or six games, you have the Steelers game where they were up by 20 points. Didn't really give them much opportunity to run. Right, sort of a similar situation versus the Bengals and versus the Giants as well. Not to take away from those efforts on the ground, but the game script kind of eliminated the possibility of those teams running. Although the Giants kept running for whatever reason, I, I don't really know why they did that. Um, but then they get gashed by the Broncos, which obviously was not very good, pretty uh, with Javante Williams in that game. They do yeah. get gashed by the Texans for 5.3 yards per carry last week. Uh, and of course, the Chiefs. you know, that was a little bit more complicated because the Chiefs basically decided not to run the ball after Derwin left. Uh, And when, you know, that's kind of smart on their part. Uh, So I think which version of the run defense shows up this week is really important in addition to which version of Herbert shows up because, uh, I mean, that's going to control the game for the Chargers, right? I mean, they've done very well whenever they tended to have a lot of time of possession. Um, and the defense suffers whenever they have to be on the field for 35, 40 minutes a game, um, as we saw mostly last week against the Texans, in addition to the talent issues that existed there. So 
Obviously, we just talked about Justin Jones, Joey Bosa being back for this game, hopefully Derwin James as well. So that, I mean, is an immediate boost to your run defense outlook, particularly if Chris Harris and this year Adderley can play as well. That would also be a boost. Um, but which version of it shows up, uh, especially after they got toasted by the Broncos for four and a half yards per carry last game, um, is going to be really important. So uh, I'm focused mainly on the run defense because I don't think they're going to be able to get a ton done with Drew Locke. Um, so that this kind of is what determines the game. Uh, in my opinion, in addition to obviously, you know, what Herbert and the receivers and the offense are going to do. Yeah, I think those are two, you know, really good calls. As for the Herbert stuff, I think the scrambling, like, of course, when it works, it's a lot of fun. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers running for 90 yards, it's great, right? But there have been times where the pressure is non-existent and Herbert is, you know, trying to leak out and, and gain some yards with his legs. And I that is my ultimate pet peeve as, as an offensive line guy is when a quarterback runs out of a clean pocket. You know, the, the if your name is Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson, like, sure, Kyler Murray too. Like, if you can go get 20 yards on the ground, like, why not, right? But for the most part, you know, quarterbacks need to stay in the pocket when there's no pressure. And I think that to me is is not a concern, but it's just kind of is an annoying trend I've noticed over the last few weeks from uh, Justin Herbert. I expect him to play well. You know, he has some uh, Chargers history on the line over the next couple of weeks in terms of being able to break the franchise record for touchdown passes, uh, passing yards and completions. I think he'll get there for those ones, but I, I expect him to play well, uh, at least against the Raiders who, you know, he's played really well in his history, but uh, he could certainly struggle this week. And so I think the thing that I'm focusing in on is how, the Chargers are able to use Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler together. You know, we haven't really seen the two of them be healthy at the same time, really at all this season, because Justin Jackson was banged up early. Then Austin Eckler was banged up and had COVID. So this week presumably is the first week in a really long time where Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler are healthy at the same time. And so Justin Jackson has played really, really well over the last few weeks. Uh, we have obviously seen Austin Eckler have a ton of success. And I think, the Denver Broncos defense can be had on the ground. And obviously, you know, Alex is talking about the run defense and, and, you know, keeping the defense off the field and being able to run the ball effectively is a great way to help a struggling defense. And so I think this is a good week for uh, the chargers to be able to kind of, you know, experiment is I guess kind of the word I'm looking for with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, you know, do some more of the pony package, get them both out there on the same time. I mean, you know, we were all in agreement that Justin Jackson was the best player on the field last week on the team. So I'm excited to see what this running game looks like over the next two games and, and hopefully a playoff game because this, they finally have found that number two back that we've been asking for all season long. And now Austin Eckler is healthy. Uh, and so that really is what I'm focusing on this week. They've done some really good things. You know, Tyler and I were talking on Twitter yesterday about, how they've really embraced the counter plays and how they do a bunch of different things to uh, set those up, you know, be it from uh, shifted line packages, heavy packages, even from, you know, a, an empty package. So I love the way that the chargers are running the ball recently. And I think this is a game where they could really kind of lean into it more than they have recently because of, you know, Herbert struggles versus this specific scheme and what Alex was talking about with the, the defensive struggles uh, over the last few weeks. 
Yeah, as far as counters go, I believe they've run, I think, four times as many counters this year than they did last year, which is, mm-hmm. and it's working. It's looking really good. The Chargers ran it 39 total times against the Chiefs. I don't remember how many of those were running backs, but I think it was 27 or so. It must have been running backs. Um, and yeah, with Herbert struggling, they need to run it a little bit more. And I, th- I think they should. I think it's a great thing for them to be building, even with some lineman pieces missing, like, you know, Slater one week, Lindsay the next. The fact that this run game is, I don't want to say unstoppable, but right now it looks kind of unstoppable and frankly sets the tone. And, you know, they could have put up 70 points a game just running the ball. You know, the fact that they're doing that and their special teams is getting better hitting into the postseason. That's why I want to see these guys in, this, in the postseason so bad because this offense and really even some of the special teams, they're coming together. And so, yeah, if they if they lean you know in the run game on this one, that's fine by me. If Herbert doesn't have to throw it 30-something times towards Patrick Sertan, that's fine by me. <laughs> You know, I know Alex is happy to hear that. Patrick Chen is playing very, very well this season. But uh, yeah, if they, if they lean into the run game, that's completely fine with me. I know people will be, you know, angry at it. Oh, put the ball in the hands of your best player. But like, you know, <laughs> the, the, the running game is really good. And it, it might be the best part of their offense come, come Sunday. And unlike last time where we had, you know, Kelly got a couple of catches. Bradwell had a route. Jackson was just a special teamer. Filer was out. Now they do have that situation, you know, that situation That's sorted right, out. Yeah. They do have Filer. This would be the game to implement and continue what you've been building with, you know, two backs healthy for the first time since what, the Patriots game, really. Yeah. yeah uh, no, I, th- I think that that's a good point. Just having two running backs uh, in Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, I think is going to be really big. Um, and the fact that they can both play well at the same time, maybe you both put them in the receiving packages um, and it eliminates you having to put Joshua Kelly on the field super often and also <laughs> eliminates you having to activate Larry Roundtree on game day, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, no, I think having both of them playing at the level that they are and mostly like Tyler said, just running the plays to you know play to their strengths also I think is really important. Um, gotta say, shout out to Patrick Sutan, but uh, no pick sixes this week though. You could save that for <laughs> you could save that for Chad Henney or whatever next week uh, against the Chiefs, but no pick sixes this week uh, against Justin Herbert. That I I do not like. No, definitely not. And uh, it is going to be interesting to see you know which uh, Broncos secondary members are able to play this week because Ronald Darby has not practiced this week. Neither has Kareem Jackson. Uh, of course, we mentioned you know Bryce Callen earlier, who's going to be out. So. Uh, Broncos secondary potentially in a, a bit of a uh, tough spot. So let's get to some key matchups at X factors. I'll start this one off. I think the key matchup for me is pretty obvious in this one. Uh, and that's the chargers linebackers versus the Broncos running backs. Of course, you know, we mentioned uh, Javante Williams and his uh, game wrecking ability as, as somebody who can break tackles and get out in space. And he, he forced five missed tackles the last time these two teams played. Uh, and frankly made the Chargers look rather silly on several tackle attempts. So uh, it looks like Drew Tranquil is not going to be playing this week. He has not practiced. He has a lower leg injury of sorts. So whether it's shifting Kenneth Murray back there or inserting Eamon Ogbog-Mamiga or Nick Neiman, I need to see a good game from the linebackers. And, you know, I've been on the Kaiser White train. I feel like it's been a couple weeks since we've seen like a big Kaiser White game. And I think this is as important of a spot for the Chargers linebackers because of the way that the Broncos want to play on offense. You know, they're 
not going to let Drew Locke air the ball out, right? Like, you know, Vic Vangio is kind of tired of the whole gunslinger thing that Drew Locke brings to the table. So uh, they're going to want to run the football. They only had like 13 total yards rushing against the Raiders last week somehow. And so I think the Broncos are going to come out and really try and establish the run, really try and, you know, shove it down the throats with Williams, with Melvin Gordon. And so I think this is a big game for the linebackers. And like we, like I said, we don't know who's going to be playing opposite of uh, Kaiser White, but I think we need to see a big Kaiser White game. We need to see whoever is playing uh, next to him play really well. Amin Ogbong-Mamiga had a couple really bad missed tackles. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a Royce Freeman run that went for like 20 yards that should have been an Amen uh, tackle for loss. And so I'm curious to see how that kind of pans out. They kind of rotated Amen and Nick Neiman back there next to Kaiser. But uh, this is a big game for the linebackers. And I think they've got to really be uh, gap sound, assignment sound, and be able to, you know, get in into the backfield and, and put the Broncos behind the sticks because, uh, if the Broncos are living in third and shorts, then this is going to be a long day again for the defense. And so, uh, you know, we saw what that looked like last week when the Texans had, you know, third and two, third and three every single time. Uh, and the Broncos offense is much more talented than the Texans. So uh, this is a big game for the linebackers and the rest of the run defense as a whole. I can't believe the Broncos had 14 carries for eight yards against yeah, the Raiders last week. Wild. That seems impossible with the two guys that they have but okay uh yeah the whole Amon Ogbong Bamiga thing I still don't know why they have him in there over Nick Neiman that's not a slight at Ogbong Bamiga it's just a you drafted Neiman sure and B Neiman is a better tackler in my opinion and C Neiman is clearly a better athlete if you look at his RAS score Ogbong Bamiga's isn't that great and Neiman's isn't like the 90 somethingth percentile so why they aren't playing him, especially after he does so well in special teams, I don't know. But to me, like especially on that Rex Burkhead play that kind of broke the game at the end there, yeah. I think Nick Neiman would have made that play. And again, it's a woulda, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. And maybe he would have missed that tackle. But he's a pretty sure tackler through college. And he looked good in the preseason. I don't think he misses that play. Now, would they have won if Neiman were on the field? I don't think so. But I think if Tranquil is out, you should really give him a shot too. Because... I mean, yeah, you like that Ogbong Bamiga can blitz too, but Neiman is faster. So I'd rather have someone out like you know, like there out instead of him. And as far as the run defense goes, that's also my key matchup, just a little bit different. Um, I'm just looking at the two first round picks. That's Jerry Tillery and Kenneth Murray versus the run, uh, which has not been good. That is really not their thing. Um, but their, their run stop rate. Uh, it's not their thing. I don't know if Kenneth Murray has a lot of their things thing. at this point that he's good at. <laughs> No, they're not good. Uh, no. The run stop rate with Murray at edge the last three weeks and Tillery uh, for the whole year, they rank 102nd and 109th. Uh, and that's oh, with gosh. snap count qualifiers, not just every player who's ever played. 102nd and 109th in run stop rate. Uh, and Tillery's played okay recently, particularly against the Chiefs. There is something there. I think he's improved. I think he's flashed, like Staley said. Uh, but overall, those two are a big fat liability in the running game. Now, Murray might not play. It depends how the COVID listing shakes out. But the way guys are trending, I think he could. Um, you know, like I said in our recap of the Houston game, if I were watching Murray play edge like this in college, I probably would have given him a day three grade. I mean, so, you know, these two duds, first round dud picks, just gave up 149 yards to Rex Burkhead and, and barely made any impact in the run game. 
they have to. Somebody has to step up in this game. You know, part of the reason I think someone did a breakdown. I can't remember who it was. It's part of the reason the Raiders did such a good job against the, the Broncos in the run game is because their defensive line showed up. They showed up. And, you know, Terry Tillery has to. And we can talk about some other players later on. But for me, my eyes are on these two first round picks because they're bad against the run and they need to be good. Yeah, um, I think my X factor for this game is actually going to be uh, Keenan Allen. Um, I think that last week he sort of gets shut down versus the Texans for receptions, 35 yards. Um, obviously, those numbers kind of speak for themselves. I think he's been sort of up and down over this last stretch. Obviously, the Cincinnati game script didn't necessarily like favor him, but he did have, I believe, five receptions for 34 yards in that game. Um, and you actually have to go back to his last Denver game. Um, uh, obviously, he missed the one against the Giants, but that was the last time that he had um, 80 yards in a game. Uh, the last couple of weeks, it's been 34, 78, and 35. So I think his production sort of needs to pick up um, as well, just to get him you know, more in tune with Justin Herbert, obviously communicating more on third downs, um, which the Chargers have been doing a good job regardless on, on third downs recently. Yeah. But I think, you know, the offense is still sort of a whole nother level when they do have Keenan Allen working the way that he's supposed to. Um, plus, I think we talked about uh, Ronald Darby, who is currently injured for the Broncos. Um, and they have a couple other injuries in the secondary, in addition to the Bryce Callahan uh, COVID situation. So, this is kind of a week where you would expect Keenan Allen to pop off. I don't know what adjustments they're going to make if Ronald Darby can't play, if that involves putting someone like Patrick Sertan on Keenan Allen um, or, you know, trying to shift things around. But to me, this is a game where uh, you also have Mike Williams back. He's going to take attention uh, away for the defense as uh, for the Broncos defense as well. So to me, this is a game where I think Keenan Allen uh, should step up. No, absolutely. I think that's a good call. Uh, did you have a key matchup too, Alex? Oh, well, did I go with my X Factor first? Whoops. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I, yeah, no, I think you guys have kind of covered the key matchups, really. I, I do think it is kind of the run defense. Um, I, yeah, I will say Charger special teams versus Broncos special teams, like we've said earlier. Um, if the Chargers are getting Andre Roberts back and they're yeah. We'll see with Dustin Hopkins, although it doesn't seem like he'd be likely to go. Uh, but I, I, that depends on his vaccination status and the five-day rule uh, now that they've activated that. Um, I mean, they should still be okay, but uh, assuming they have Vizcaino and that's going to be an interesting uh, field goal situation, <laughs> depending on what calls they decide to make there. I assume that means you get a lot of fourth and Staley and in those kind of scenarios. Um, but if they have Hopkins, then they could sort of play it out like they did against the Texans last week and take those field goals early on if they're available. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go with special teams. Uh, in addition to the punting unit, um, I mean, hasn't got a lot. I mean, Frederick didn't punt a lot last week, uh, but there's been some shaky moments where they've gotten pressure on Ty Long, uh, unfortunately, just because of bad blocking. So that can always come back to haunt them. Uh, I mean, we saw, we've seen that a couple times this year. So, uh, yeah, I will say Chargers special teams uh, and which players are going to be in those key spots of punt returner, kick returner, kicker. Uh, obviously, we know Ty Long is going to be punter, but also does the punt blocking show up too? <laughs> yeah, that's a big question mark if the Chargers have to punt uh, a couple times. They haven't really punted 
all that much recently, but um, you know, it hasn't been, hasn't been pretty. Um, want to give a shout out to our guy Envy Talent for the super chat question. I wanted to acknowledge that. We'll get to uh, that question and some other questions at the end of the show, um, but we'll we'll jump back in. So, uh, Tyler, who is your X Factor of the day? It's been long overdue to take this player. Uh, it's potentially he potentially will not be active because of who returns. I have to go with Braden Fajoko. Uh, you know, he's been inactive a little bit because of roster construction. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, let this sink in for everyone listening. He, among any player at any position with at least 50 run defense snaps, has a higher run stop rate than any of them. Any defensive tackle, edge rusher, linebacker in the NFL, whatever. It's the highest run stop rate by an interior defensive lineman since 2007. It's currently higher than any rate that Jamal Williams had. Granted, that was as, as a starter, but still, right. you know, he was an undrafted free agent last year. He was cut by the team in the preseason. They had him drop weight and he was on the practice squad. Then they called him up a few times and, you know, instant impact. They signed him to the active roster and he leads the NFL in run stop rate. Oh, and by the way, they had Rumpf out for that game. And so they have Fahoko, a 300 something pound nose tackle lead blocking on kickoff return and he's just destroying guys <laughs> out there and he looks he looks way better at that than rumpf did through the first half right. of the season yeah so to me and this this whole tillery you know folk up you know the, the interior defensive line room is a whole off-season story we can get into one day yeah. but i want to see this coaching staff reward good play reward effort being the only guy out there to really show heart on defense you know, and oh, by the way, because you're such an analytics driven team, trust the stats because Fajoko's yeah. run stop rate, granted, it is, you know, lower snaps than most of the starters, obviously. It's double, almost double, you know, Linval Joseph's. It's, you know, quadruple Jerry Tillery's. You know, reward this play. This is how you find an Austin Eckler or an Adrian Phillips. And I actually don't even know if they're going to have him active on game day, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I think the defensive line group is going to be a very interesting offseason topic, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Linval Joseph, ever since he came back from COVID, his production has plummeted. You know, he was, uh, before he got COVID, his pass rush win rate was like sixth or seventh high- highest among all defensive tackles. Now it's dropped all the way down to like 4%. He has one run- or two run stops in the last three weeks mm-hmm. after being one of the most disruptive run stopping defensive tackles in the league. Um, Justin Jones, of course, you know, Alex mentioned the statistic that Popper pointed out how important he is. Um, and then Jerry Tillery has been objectively bad against the run. I think he's improving, but, uh, yeah, it's probably slightly at best. So I don't understand, like, I mean, I know why, right. But like, I don't understand, like you look at this run defense that is objectively bad and like all the statistics that you could possibly look at do not paint a good picture for the Chargers. They've improved, right? Like Alex was saying, they're not 32nd in the league anymore. I think they're 28th. Um, Their rush defense DVOA is like 29th or 30th. So they're not the worst in the league anymore. But like you have this possible solution. And I thought it was really funny because Brandon Staley said, you know, verbatim on Monday that he felt like they didn't have the intensity. They didn't have the energy that required, uh, that was required of that specific matchup. And then he was asked about Brain Fajoko on Wednesday. And he was like, 
yeah, I love the energy and the intensity that he brings. He brings <laughs> it every single time that he plays it, every mm-hmm. single practice. Like, that's who he is. And I'm like, all right, coach, maybe lean into giving that guy more snaps. Maybe that helps your poor run defense if you could play, you know, Hoko at the three technique, Limbaugh Joseph or Christian Cummington at the nose, maybe switch those up, and then Justin Jones. That's significantly better than what you are doing with Jerry Tillery, who's playing like 85% of the snaps. So, uh, I'm not asking for Brain Fahoko to be a starter, and I don't think Tyler is either. I think it would be fun, but just give him more snaps than like I think he had 12 or 13 run snaps last week, and he had four run stops. So like he's incredibly productive, but he's not playing a whole lot. So let's get that guy some more snaps. You know, I, I think that helps everybody stay fresher as well. So um, I, I think that's a good call. So my X factor of the day is going to be Trey McKitty. Um, I have been pounding the table for him as a run blocker. I think he's uh, really coming to his finish, flashing some high level. I feel did I have him as the X Factor last week? I think I might have actually. This is really pretty sure. Really giving me some deja vu. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we did lose to the Texans. You're not back in time. <laughs> All right, this I'll just go. I'll just keep going with Trey McKitty, I guess. But um, you know, I'm gonna focus in here more as a receiver because i think you know we are continually seeing jared cook uh not be reliable or uh jared cook as uh alex said earlier this year um so i I think this really should be you know the last two games kind of transitioning into giving trey mckitty some more opportunities as a receiver he's looked really good in the few opportunities that he has had um so you know i was just talking about rewarding brain i think we should be rewarding uh, Trey McKitty as well, because I think, you know, he really is the future of the position for this team. And I think he deserves more uh, opportunities to make plays in the passing game. You have to give him some sort of run because, you know, if you're moving on from Cook next year, and honestly, we don't know what Parham's career is going to be like. like he's out for the season already. Yeah. I don't know if he'll retire, I, but he's not under contract next year. You have to see what you have because Steven Anderson is so good in his role, but his role right now is not that inline tight end running routes or in the slot or whatever it is. He's just kind of like that fullback, yeah, you know, tight end hybrid. So yeah, getting McKitty involved would be great. I'm not mistaken. Wasn't the Broncos game his first target of the year? Nah, uh, that sounds right to me. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, but yeah, getting him more involved would be great. I mean, the tight end group, the ones that can actually develop still, has developed so well under this regime. And I would love to see McKitty get more reps as a receiver, get more run as a receiver, and not just a, you know, like a, a shallow crosser when Justin Herbert bootleg sort of thing. Target him deep. I mean, they had a couple deep shots to him in the scrimmage, you know, against uh, throwing, you know, towards Derwin James. He didn't throw it, sorry, but he was running around, you know, towards Derwin James. Go for it. Why not? I mean, the guy is killing people in the run game, um, you know, as a blocker. Give him a shot. Give him a couple of shots. See what you have, because you could be down to only McKitty on your team next year. Not really, but of the guys that are currently on the team, he's sure. the only one under contract. Yeah. Uh, my X factor is whether Jared Cook wants to run rounds this week uh, or <laughs> whether he would like to not. Um, I don't blame him for not doing work for $6 million. Uh, that seems like a great deal, but... Uh, it would help the offense if he could do his job since he doesn't have to block anyway and also catch the ball. Those would both be uh, beneficial things to the Chargers, uh, if not 
then yeah, um, I'm sort of in favor of it anyway, but more Trey McKitty, more Steven Anderson, more of anything that isn't Jared Cook. But unfortunately, because of the Donald Parham situation, they are sort of in this position where they have to play him uh, as that receiver. So uh, hope for the best, but yeah, no, the, the Parham injury unfortunately has taken a lot of that positive energy, I think, that the tight end group had out of it. No, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see how that pans out, of course. So, uh, all right, let's get into some of our bolt predictions. I'll start this one. Um, I, I mentioned the Justin Herbert uh, statistics that he needs to kind of break some records. Um, he uh, is very close to breaking the touchdown record, kind of close for the yards and the completions. Um, I'm going to say that he breaks – Philip Rivers touchdown record in the first quarter on Sunday. I think the Chargers uh, are going to need to get out to a hot start. That's you know, we've joked a bunch on this show that their best run defense is getting a big lead, um, and I think the Chargers do do that. I think they get off to a hot start. I think we see uh, Justin Herbert throw two touchdowns in the first quarter and break Philip Rivers' record. Well, all right, Alex, go for it. Uh yeah no uh, Tyler wants to go last this time he he must have a doozy of a he must have a doozy of a bold prediction we'll see <laughs> uh I'm gonna go uh Mike Williams a hundred yards uh, and a touchdown uh, I think he comes back from the COVID list this week I think Justin Herbert will get him involved and now that the Broncos are sort of they're gonna kind of try to investigate and see if they have some guys that can really stick with Mike Williams. Don't really know if they have pieces that can consistently do that on a play-to-play basis. Now, with how their secondary is, I think the secondary is going to be very focused on Keaton Allen in particular for this game. So, uh, and we saw what the difference was between when Justin Herbert has Mike Williams on the boundary uh, and he can just throw it up to him versus when he has Jason Moore on the boundary. Uh, No offense to him. But yeah, I think the offense is definitely a lot better with Mike Williams. I think he'll get more involved this week uh, than he has been in some of the previous games before the COVID um, for the COVID list. So uh, I think this is sort of another breakout game potentially for him. Yeah, I, it wasn't a doozy. I just didn't want to go a second. So I don't really have anything like, super <laughs> interesting to share. Um, my bold prediction is that the Chargers running backs have more total yards combined than Justin Herbert has passing yards. Yeah. I think uh, that that would include receiving yards, yeah? Yeah, which kind of screws me, but whatever. (laughs) I think it's totally possible. I think we could have some uh, big games from those two for sure. Um, All right, let's get into some of our league picks. Alex, why don't you uh, tell our listeners about ExpressVPN and update us on the uh, standings for our league picks? Yeah, you can go to expressvpn.com slash guilty. We did an expressvpn.com slash guilty ad earlier in the season when John Gruden got fired live. Um, So I will dedicate this expressvpn ad to our dear friend, Raider Cody. If you want to see Raider Cody's football team uh, ball out and uh, maybe... It's going to be a little bit difficult, but I think Derek Carr and those guys can have a good game. You'll be able to see all of the replays on all 22. And much like Cody uh, slides into DMs, hopefully the Raiders aren't sliding into the end zone. So uh, I hope that you go to expressvpn.com slash guilty, where you can get a three-month free trial of ExpressVPN. 
and now let's talk about the standings because we, <laughs> with two weeks left, we have a tie at the top. Steven is 33 and 15. I am 33 and 15. And Tyler's is, is close. He's six games out with six games remaining. He could still, if, if me and T- Steven go 0 and 6 here, Tyler's got a chance, yeah. uh, which is amazing considering what Steven's record was before Tyler took over. <laughs> um, so again, you can go to expressvpn.com slash guilty, but uh, who has got it this week? Boys, I think it's Tyler first or? I believe so, yeah. It is Tyler, then me, then Steven. Uh, so, uh, take it away, Tyler. Interesting. Yes. It's kind of a bummer that as soon as I turn over my record to Steven, I've gone like 15 and 0. <laughs> so I would have run away with this thing, but oh well. Um, okay, cool. I get to go first. So I'm going to take the Bills over the Falcons. Listen, I'm going to take some gimmies. I got to, you know, pad my stats here. If I get within like three games of either of you guys, I'm stoked. So that one, then I'll take the Bucks over the Jets. That feels pretty good too. And then for upsets, uh, I'm going to take, I should go with some offense like Bengals over Chiefs. That's not a bad one, but I'm going to go with what's <laughs> going to screw me over in the end, but whatever. Uh, Dolphins over Titans in this one. Oh, Ooh, that would be uh, not fun. All right. Yeah. Uh, I would not like Dolphins over Titans, but that that is definitely a possibility for what could happen. Uh, I'm doing it again. Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis Colts defeat the Las Vegas Raiders. They're six and a half point favorites, and I've been riding with the Colts, so I'm going to continue to ride with the Colts. Uh, Tyler, you didn't pick Pat's Jags, did you? No. All right, I will take Patriots over Jaguars. Um, I do not think Bill Belichick loses that game to the Jaguars in at in New England that it just doesn't seem feasibly possible uh even less possible than the Cardinals Lions one that I lost but uh (laughs) I don't I don't think there's any real chance of that happening uh as for the upset pick um you know this is the one where it always gets a little bit dicey but um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh, wait, actually, are there actually any good upset picks? Because a lot of these games are like 58-point spreads, um, which is not great opportunity <laughs> if you're trying to pick an upset. Mm, I'll go with one that's a little bit out there, but I could see it happening. I will take the Carolina Panthers over the New Orleans Saints. Um, I think that the Saints... I've had some quarterbacking troubles. They, there's Taysom Hill. Uh, there's, you know, uh, Ian Book, who was in last week. Um, I, I could kind of go either way. I could see either team taking it. But I'll take the Panthers to get a weird uh, Sam Darnold, <laughs> Cam Newton, P.J. Walker, whoever the quarterback is, uh, win over the New Orleans Saints. Saints have just really been struggling on offense, and I don't see them correcting those issues this week. Uh, so I'll take the Panthers over the Saints in my upset, and as for my two favorites, I will take the Patriots and the Colts. Tyler, which two favorites did you choose? Bucks and Bills. Bucks and Bills. All right, so I'm going to take the Niners over the Houston Texans. That game's in San Francisco. Um, I know Jimmy G is potentially hurt, but I think the, the Niners run game is just kind of clicking defense is nasty. 
Uh, then I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals really struggling without DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and the Cowboys defense is uh, nasty. And as for the upset pick, uh, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Cleveland Browns. Just feels like a uh, Big Ben send-off kind of game. You know, I think we see mm, yeah. okay. uh, Big Ben kind of, you know, he mentioned that this is probably his last game at Heinz Field. So uh, I think we see a good Big Ben game. Uh, like I said, you know, I think a weird, just kind of a weird game, like Alex is saying with the Panthers. But uh, so I think the Steelers stay semi-alive in the playoff picture and get a win over the Cleveland Browns. Well, good luck with that, guys. Uh, I, I, it's probably a smart move to not pick the Bengals for the upset because they're they're so volatile on offense. So this could be the week that they're bad on offense. So good, good call. <laughs> I know. I saw uh, a certain uh, major network was talking about which quarterback they would rather have, and instead of uh, Burrow versus <laughs> Herbert, it was Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, and uh, hmm. the network was all choosing uh, Joe Burrow. So all right, uh, I got I got I, I, I got to be honest. Why do you guys do this to yourselves? Why do you watch like <laughs> ESPN and FS1 and then go, "This is stupid"? Yeah, because they're stupid. Like people sent me that Chris Broussard clip where he was talking about Chargers fans or whatever, and I'm like. Chris Broussard talks about basketball and they make him talk about football because they have to fill up 24 hours of content. Why are you guys surprised that it's bad? Uh, so like, please just, just please stop watching ESPN. Only watch us. All right. Only watch <laughs> us and like the Pat McAfee show and whatever else there is. Uh, just, just stop, just stop watching the mainstream media. Yeah. For the record, I was not watching. I just saw the clips on uh, Twitter. So uh, I don't have cable. So <laughs> that's how they get you. They get you by posting that Orlovsky shit or whatever on Twitter, and then everyone goes crazy. You you just got you got to stop feeding the content. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, um, all right. So we'll uh, get to our predictions for the Chargers and Broncos game, and then we'll uh, talk about the playoff picture for the AFC, as well as taking uh, some questions for a little bit. Um, but let's get our predictions for this specific matchup. Alex, why don't you kick us off here? Um, yeah, I mean, coming off of the Texans game, I did not expect to be saying this, but I'll take a Chargers win. Um, no I, fucking I, way. I <laughs> did not think you were going to pick a win. Me no, neither. No, Me neither. No, I mean, if, if the 10 day COVID rule was not in effect or was still in effect and Mike Williams and Chris Harris and all those guys were out, yeah, I would true. have a worse feeling about this game. And that's sort of how I felt coming off of the Texans game. Um, so I, yeah, I think the Chargers get it done. The Broncos are a little bit of a skeleton team themselves with a lot of the injuries they have. And not, yeah, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater's not playing. So I think that's a disadvantage for them. Uh, and so I think the Chargers can pressure Drew Locke at a reasonably decent rate. I think that there's going to be guys that I hope they get up for this game. Uh, I think that they will get up for this game. Uh, it, you know, it is kind of uh, this is the playoffs or you're not going to get in. If you lose this game, although there's like one scenario where they can get into one and one, but it doesn't matter. You're not going to get in the playoffs if you lose this. Uh, so I think the Chargers win rather decisively. I'll take it the Chargers 30 to 21. Um, wow. I, I think that they uh, show why they are kind of one of these teams that can go for the playoffs. Um I can't believe they got me to buy in again with all that COVID <laughs> shit. Um, but anyway. Uh, I do think they rebound from the Texans game. I feel like a lot of the captains on this team, as we've talked about, feel the need to get back into the swing of things, get a win here, uh, and then move on to the Raiders for what could potentially be uh, an end-of-season playoff game. 
Uh, so I will take the Chargers 30-21. Wow, I am I am shocked that the tables are turning because I am not going to pick the Chargers to win this game. Wow! Um, <laughs> I'm pulling an Alex because I cannot in good consciousness predict that this team bounces back after what they put on uh, on the field last week against the Houston Texans. So I am very concerned about the Broncos rushing attack. And, you know, we've seen Justin Herbert struggle against cover two looks. And so I think the Chargers will play a much cleaner game than the one that they played in Denver. You know, playing at Denver has just been super weird for this Chargers team. Uh, They've only won two games in Denver since 2011. So uh, that's a struggle that hopefully Brandon City can overcome in the future. But I just think that this Broncos team uh, gives them some tough matchups. Um, really kind of at the positions that you really can't afford to have that. I think Patrick Sertan uh, and that secondary, depending on how who is playing there, is an advantage in this one. So I, I the Chargers should win, man. Like this is this is a game that the Chargers should win. We've seen them bounce back uh, after losses before. But I just – I can't pick them after what they did against the Houston Texans. I just can't do it. You know, Rex Burkhead runs for 150. He's the AFC player of the week. And now you go up against Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. So I'm concerned about this one. I think the Chargers should win. I think they have the better players. I think they have the better coach. But uh, I'm just uh, I'm just concerned, man. I, I don't know what to make of this team right now. Um, so I think my prediction is going to be Broncos win 20-17. to 17. Wow. I, I don't even know what to say after the surprises. I didn't expect Alex to pick a <laughs> decisive victory for the Chargers and then Steven to pick... Uh, a loss, although I, I understand the loss more than a, a giant decisive victory. But the good news is Drew Locke is playing, and it's not Teddy Bridgewater. I think that already <laughs> changes the outlook of the game. I think these new COVID protocols, whatever, that changes the outlook of the game. I think the Chargers hopefully getting the rest of their guys back um, you know, helps, obviously. I think having Matt Filer helps. You can already tell where I'm going with this, but I'll keep talking. You know, Justin Jackson looks pretty good. I think they have most everything sorted out. This offense has scored 32 points per game in the last four weeks. I think they're moving. Granted, now it is the Broncos, and it is a difficult matchup for Herbert. But I think they can pull it off. I think not playing at Denver is a whole different thing. Um, you know, the reason that I, I think we I think we picked him to win at Denver, but it's yes. Denver, and they just don't win. Now we're at home. And I think the Chargers will pull it off. It's going to be very, very close. The idea that the Chargers can score another 30 points, I think, is a tad ridiculous unless they get a pick six. Um, so I'm going to go a very, very close one. The Chargers win 21 to 20. Wow. Yeah, I- I'm the optimistic one this week. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's just the adrenaline in my brain seeing Justin Jones coming off the COVID list. Uh, <laughs> and, and Mike Williams coming off. Maybe, maybe I'm functioning on off of that. But... I do think they turn it around this week. Uh, like I said, I, I think that they can. I think that they should win. I just don't know how to uh, pick that, pr- predict that performance after what they did last week. So um, as for the playoff picture, I know a lot of people had some questions about this, so we'll, we'll get into it. Um, the Chargers obviously have to win this game. Like Alex said, there are some wacky scenarios where the Chargers could go one and one and still get in. But obviously, you know, losing to the Texans makes this game that much more important. So um, the easiest way that the Chargers get into the playoffs is that they go 2-0 down the stretch. 
and the Dolphins and the Ravens each lose a game. So uh, the Dolphins play the Titans. They were <laughs> Tyler's upset pick of the week, uh, unfortunately. Um, and then they play, they host the Patriots uh, for their season finale. So the, the Dolphins, of course, on a seven game win streak against our, like the easiest schedule I've ever seen. Um, and then the Baltimore Ravens are very banged up. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson. It doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Uh, so unfortunately, that means I'm going to have to root against my guy, Tyler Huntley, as they play the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and then they close the season with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, at home. So a couple uh, tough games for both teams. Um, but again, that's the easiest way for the Chargers to get into the playoffs. Win, go 2-0, and and have the Dolphins and the Ravens each lose one game. I'm weirdly potentially more worried about the Raiders game than they am this Broncos game. I okay. think there's going to be a lot of emotion for the Raiders with the passing of John Madden, and that's going to be their yeah. first home game since that passing. That's going to be a big deal for that team. I believe when Al Davis passed, they played a game against a very good Texans team and upset them at their next home game. So, you know, I'm hoping that doesn't happen again, but that kind of emotion is a big deal. And again, if the Chargers show up flat and without emotion, a very emotional home team looking to play a spoiler and get revenge who can run the football, you know, I think they have a chance to, to beat the Chargers. But yeah, Chargers can win out. They can still get in. I would love to see this team get in. I do think that they they I do think they get the help that they need. I just don't know if they win both games. But if they win this game, I'll feel pretty confident about that second game. Yeah, and I think it's just uh also important so they get uh, I mean their path is pretty simple. I mean, like I do think the Ravens probably drop one of those two games, and I think the Dolphins probably drop one of those two games. So at this point, yeah. um I think you just phase whatever else happens or has to happen in the AFC out of your head and just go to a no. Like that's that's the simplest way to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, uh, as as you know, obviously they do have to still lose those games. But you know, like my concern with the Chargers is just that they haven't been able to put two wins together. Uh, I mean, like we saw that with the Giants and the Bengals, and they have the early three game winning streak uh, uh, leading into that Raiders win. Um, but they haven't put. You know, it's been kind of one and one every two weeks right for this team um uh, right. in recent history so um i'm just gonna say that you know it's gonna be a challenge uh, obviously because the broncos and raiders are both still playing for stuff right the raiders can still make the playoffs the broncos can still make the playoffs and on top of that they're playing for for jobs as well with uh, vic fangio you know trying to still yeah. remain head coach and uh Rich Passaccia also, you know, trying to kind of get into consideration or even uh, like Tyler said, uh, we, we thought Gus Bradley would become the Raiders head coach. But still, I mean, <laughs> he, he, he's probably going to interview for the Raiders job at some point. Um, yeah. So, you know, he'll, he'll want to show out in these last two games as well. Uh, so both teams still have a lot of play uh, to play for. But, yeah, like we've been saying, the path is simple. Win two games. If you don't win two games, you're out. Yeah, I know that there were there were a lot of people on Twitter suggesting that, you know, the Broncos are kind of out of it. You know, Vic Fangio is probably on his way out. So, like, some people were suggesting that the Broncos might not bring it this week. And I, I think that's – I think Vic Fangio has proven that time and time again that he is able to motivate and get his guys up. And last year they were significantly worse. They were a significantly worse team. And even at the end of the season they were still playing hard. Um, you know, you could argue if Jerry Judy doesn't – drop the ball five times against the Chargers, the Broncos could have won that game last year. So 
Um, I, I expect the Broncos to play hard. You know, I don't know how good it's going to be. I, I don't expect them to get a pick six this week. Um, you know, so I, I think this is a, a tough two game stretch. And, you know, it sucks that they lost to the Texans last week because that would have given them some wiggle room. Um, but I, we, we've seen the talent on this team proves that they can absolutely win these two games and get into the playoffs at this point. You know, they're playing for the seven seed. Um, but you know, if they are able to get into the playoffs, I think that's huge for this team, you know, get Justin Herbert and company, their first, uh, playoff appearance. And, you know, I think we all agree that that would be exceeding expectations, exceeding preseason expectations. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I just can't in good consciousness expect them to win after what they did on Sunday against the Texans. I can in bad consciousness expect them to win. <laughs> I'll do that for you. There we go. There we go. So, uh, like I, like Alex said, there are some other wacky scenarios, but uh, the path is simple, right? Win them the last mm-hmm. two games, have the Dolphins or the and the Ravens each lose a game, and you're in. You know, you get to be a part of the dance and see what happens. You're probably playing the Tennessee Titans at that point, um, unless the Chiefs are unless the Chiefs lose to the the Bengals this week or the Broncos the week after that. Uh, but it seems like the two seed is wrapped up with the Tennessee Titans right now. Please, Chargers, I need you to make the playoffs so we can delay free agency and mock draft season where people ask the same five questions every week for one more <laughs> week. Let, let's just get to the wild card game and go from there. Yeah, I'm so I, I kind of want to hit draft season. Not yet, but I'm actually getting excited. I'm seeing everyone post the clips of their sleeper this or that, and I'm excited to get into it. Now, this is going to be a super fun offseason because you have the 11 picks and you have potentially $80 million in cap space, so uh not there yet but uh the juices to uh get into draft film is uh is definitely cranking up right now so um we'll we'll get to that down the road so uh alex tyler final thoughts before we head out today uh i'll be at that game uh don't know who i'm going with yet but i'll be (laughs) at the game for sure uh see you guys there uh yeah uh just gotta win this game go forward and uh Hopefully they make the playoffs, uh, and I don't want to drink again on a show, so please show up, uh, Chargers, so we can get some good energy heading into the show. So Steven's not the only one who's not drinking, so uh, <laughs> let's let's get this uh, let's get this one. Yes, I uh, take your dog. Yeah, take Galadriel to the game and see what happens. That'd be so funny. Um, but you know, it's uh, going to be a good weekend. Hopefully for me, Utah's in the Rose Bowl on Saturday uh chargers playing the broncos in a, in a must-win game so uh hopefully a, a a fun weekend hopefully a uh positive result weekend uh that i'll be able to uh rutgers is in the gator bowl baby <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna lose the wake forest by like 40 but it's fine <laughs> should be a fun one for sure um that being said that's gonna do it for us today guys we are going to be doing oh there's galadriel I won't show you guys solely because we had to get him shaved, uh, but mm. you know it's sad. But um, so we are going to be doing a Q and A tomorrow. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm heading down to Pasadena on Saturday, so uh, we're doing a Q and A tomorrow morning. So uh, hopefully you guys can uh, see us again then. Um, but that being said, it's going to do it. That's going to do it for us tonight, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes 
ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.